Welcome back to Run Amok with Rex and Chuck. I'm Chuck. Next to me is Rex. How's it going? And Nate, our producer. Hey, hey. Thank you so much for joining us again. This week, uh, we've we found it appropriate to share some of our anecdotes and some of our experiences about leading and being a part of uh, volunteer teams, you know, because we are all part of church culture, particularly volunteer ministry teams. Now, what defines a volunteer team? Well, it's something you do uh, for free, essentially. You are giving of your time and your talents and other resources for a common good or to accomplish a shared goal with the rest of your team. And you are expecting uh, no pay in return. The only thing you are going to get in return is um, a shared feeling of accomplishment with your teammates, right? You are not expecting any compensation or to be rewarded. Uh, That's what defines a volunteer team. Now, churches operate probably 90% on the backs of their volunteers because so Mm -hmm. much of what we do well, first of all, so much of what we do, we actually can't afford to pay anybody to do. Right. Uh, but so much of what we do um, makes best use of the talent that is within our congregation, right? And, and we ask our members and the members really of our family, hey, will you please share with us, the rest of the family, this wonderful talent that you have or this resource over here that we know you have um, so that we can all benefit from it so we can get closer to this goal that we've been trying to accomplish, right? Um, that's mostly how you see it play out in in church culture. Uh, so Rex, you, you lead probably one of the most vibrant, I'd say core volunteer ministries in our church. It's something that encounters, uh, that, that our, our members and our congregates encounter every single Sunday. And that's, that's the worship team. Yeah. uh And, uh, what's it been like to, to give shape to the way our worship team is now? What's it been like to manage some of those, those characters, because we're all characters, right? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You yes. know, how, how do you manage the personalities? How do you manage what people want to contribute? How do you find more contributors? Well, it's a little bit easier on me, I think, being the worship uh, leader, because people see it. It's in front of you. It's in your face. Um, so, first of all, it's got that exposure. And then it involves two pretty crucial characteristics, I think, in, in most volunteers on the worship team. You're going to have people who have a desire to worship God. Like that's just something that some people are just called to. So that's God doing the work for me almost on on his part. Like he's already calling people. He's he's gotten them a desire. He's given them musical talent. Um, So that work is already done in a lot of instances. And then the second thing is, is these people have... I think because they've got that desire to worship and that talent, they also are just much more drawn to the idea of serving people because they've already got their hearts kind of in tune with what God wants. Worship is so integral to a Christian's walk that if you're if you're actively pursu- pursuing it and participating in it, you're also going to be growing in these other fruits such as a desire to have a desire to serve, to have a servant's heart. So I'm very lucky in that. Um, the people who usually are on my teams are people who have actually approached me first, and I didn't have to really go out of my way to find them. Um, as far as finding people, though, my tactic is usually just walking up to people, and anytime I talk to them, I kind of bring it up. Usually they bring it up, oh, hey, it's nice to meet you. We love. They usually say, like, we love your music or whatever, because they're being super nice. And then I'll, I'll ask, like, 
well, have you ever played an instrument? Um, do you sing and things like that? And either they will give me like this horrified expression and be like, no, you can never get me on a stage. Um, or, or they'll perk up and be like, well, actually, you know, I played guitar for this many years and I haven't played because of this, this, and this. And, and then I'll, I'll kind of throw in there. Well, if that ever changes, if you ever find yourself like desiring to, to get back into it and and you want to be used by God in a ministry, this could be the one for you. Uh, so that's kind of the way that I, I approach it. There, there's probably more aggressive tactics. I like, I like to, to be a little bit more personal, ask them, get a feel for it, and maybe come back around a couple weeks later, a few weeks later, kind of poke and prod and encourage. Yeah. I've heard that you have a pretty unique application or recruitment process. Yeah. Open the window on that for me for a second here. Sure. One would think that as one of the pastors of this church, I'd already know this stuff, but I actually don't. Um, but I've heard about it. <laughs> well, so much trust has been given over to me by the pastor, pastoral leadership, um, when it comes to this, which I am very thankful for, and I hope that I'm being a good steward of. Um, but yeah, I, I have a very long uh, application form that I have uh, made. How and, many questions is it? Uh, it's been a while since I've gone over it myself. I would say there's probably 20 questions, but there's really, there's like two pages of questions and that's like, how long have you been a Christian? What talents do you, would you say you have? And then I do ask things like, do you have any like habitual sin that I should be aware of that, you know, doesn't necessarily disqualify you, but I'd like to maybe work with you on. Um, And then like, is there anybody that can like vouch for you? That kind of stuff. But the real meat of it and the chunk of it is actually like 10 pages of me just describing the kind of heart that I want on the team. And, and kind of the biggest reason I have such a long application is it's kind of a little bit of a way of me vetting who's really actually interested in serving God rather than just getting something out for themselves, like, like a level of showmanship that I'm trying to maybe steer away from because a lot of people are just kind of in it for themselves or they just want to show off they'll kind of see that and they'll realize wait this is maybe not just as simple as just jumping up on stage and playing a guitar you know yeah that actually brings to mind something that i read recently in uh there's this author i've, I've mentioned him before but henry now and he's one of the most important writers who i've read at least in my lifetime uh to my spiritual walk And I read recently uh, in in one of his older books a line that was something like one's participation in the community or one's giving to the community cannot and should not be done um, to elevate the one who is giving, right? So it can't be a means to an end. Like, oh, first I break into this worship team, right? Then I get better at guitar. More and more people hear me. Then I get recruited to the big time. Right. Uh Then I get to go to the big church down the street. Or they'll pay me. Right. Well, know? yeah, it's all about money, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the only... Yeah. Well, I will say that I've had a couple of people tell me, well, what about using your ministry to minister to that 
person, that person that maybe would approach it in that way. Maybe having them on the team, don't maybe don't give them a microphone, but maybe having them on the team as like a basis or something and having them be around strong worshiping Christians would be good for them. And I can understand that argument, but I also have to think about it in terms of, okay, yeah, I want I want to pastor that person, but I also am still pastoring to all these other people in the on the team and in the congregation that I'm responsible for, that God is giving me this ministry over. And I just, I God has just made it very, a, a very strong desire for me to make sure that whoever's up there is up there for the right reasons. There are times where I make exceptions, and that is when I know the person and I do know what that struggle is, whatever the struggle is, and I can see working with them or I can see them working with somebody and that maybe it's not a, maybe it's not perfect i'm not looking for perfect but at least they're moving in the right direction have you ever had to deal with like a critical failure on your team actually let me ask a different question before that what do you think takes longer to fill out your taxes <laughs> or this application now the person filling out the taxes can use an app like TurboTax. what do you think oh Taxes. Taxes will still take longer. You think? Okay. Yeah. Right, still I mean, longer. I don't even do my own. My wife does it. Ugh. <laughs> well, actually, I guess I guess my wife does ours, too. Well, there you <laughs> she go. She comes up and says, Ugh. you know, give me all the documents you got this year. And then, but, you know, we use. Now, if you took it, if you took it really, really seriously and took the time to understand every point that I made in it, it might take longer than doing your taxes if you're just doing a simple, easy tax form. Yeah. It might take longer. Okay, applying for a job at Costco or applying for the worship team, what do you think takes longer? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably worship team because I might interview interview you more because um, you'll do the application. Then there's actual tryout too. So that's kind of like when you go to interview for a job. You know, you also have to show up. You can't just hand in a resume. You also have to show up, sit through a little process. So I do that too. I want to hear you sing. I want to hear you play. Um, I want to get to know you. Sometimes I'll, sometimes if I have the time, I'll actually invite the person out for coffee. Um, sometimes when I'm really short on time, we just meet right after church and I try to do it then. But um, I always, I always try to have at least some one-on-one -on -one time with the person. So it, I don't know. To, I, I haven't personally interviewed at Costco. But it's probably, maybe it's pretty close. It might be yeah. pretty close. Yeah. I take it maybe a little, in some people's eyes, I might take it a little too seriously. But in my eyes, I think I'm taking it the correct level of serious. Well, I mean, to me, this is stuff that we really, we need to do well. We need to do carefully. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, in addition to being the associate or co-pastor of our church, I also manage the Sunday school and youth programs. So all of our Sunday school teachers, the ones we have on the team, have to have gone through my approval process, right? Or at least the church's approval process. Mm -hmm. Some of that includes, you know, the basic stuff you would expect, background checking, which is true of anybody who wants to serve at our church, whether they're an usher or on the worship team or anything else. They do have to go through a background check that comes back clean, uh, particularly in the Sunday school uh, ministry. They, they have to pass it with with nothing on their record, especially that has to do with like violence, 
especially especially anything untoward towards a child, right? If, if right. there's anything like that, or even the semblance of that on their record, sorry, but Sunday school is not where you're going to be serving. Right. Um, maybe you can go join the worship team. <laughs> yeah, we take those kind of heathens on our <laughs> team. Now, I do want to say real quick, it is not hard to get on the worship team. It just takes time, and it just takes a little bit of effort. It is not a difficult application. I just want to say that. It's not like I'm trying to make this impossible to get on the team. It's actually yeah. quite easy. And I'm not looking for somebody who's got amazing talent. I'm not looking for people who uh, have like internal perfect metronomes or anything like that. Like That's not what it's about. It really, really, really just comes down to where is your heart? Why do you want to be on this team? And as long as those reasons are mostly geared towards you want to serve and they're geared towards like God, like you want to maybe love back and serve others. That's, that's really what it takes. Yeah. Now the amazing talent helps, right? Oh, it definitely helps. Yeah. And if there's anybody listening now who has that perfect internal metronome or Please. incredible musical talent, uh, feel free to send your resume into. I have a shorter Drexler. application. If you've got perfect metronome oh, in your head. Yeah. There's, yeah. So there's a, are, it's like two questions. So Are you we're a Christian? Favoritism, right? <laughs> in agreement with the Book of James. Do you go to our church? It's, yeah. it, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. On the Sunday school side, I, I almost feel like I should be following your lead on this a little bit more because they pass the background check, right? Mm-hmm. They do have to go through a class with me. That's all about risk management. Uh, but again, that's very basic, common sense sort of stuff. You know, don't let yourself get caught in a situation where you're alone in a room with a minor, you know, right. um, if you're teaching and you only have one student, guess what? Your class is canceled because you two are not going to be in there by yourselves. You know, you're a mandated reporter now. Here's what that means. Uh, you know, don't don't let yourself get caught in something that's even the appearance of wrongdoing with one of our youth. You know, it's. It's all, like I said, pretty common sense stuff. In that time, I do try to ask some questions about, you know, why do you really want to do this? What do you hope? What are you hoping to get out of it? What sort of brought this onto your heart or on your mind? But a lot of that is going to come out once they actually start doing it, it seems like, you know. And at different times in the past, I have had people sign up who it, it came out later that they they had their own not weird, but, but their own personal motivations for doing it. You know, I have had someone in the past who signed up and and it turned out that she really only wanted to do it because she wanted to exert influence over the youth and, and tell them things that we didn't know about and send materials home with them that we never saw, you know, and obviously that ended pretty quickly. Yeah. Just going Uh, behind your, the church leadership. Yeah, and then heart stuff comes out too, you know. I I would not I would not want someone to be on our team as much as I appreciate eagerness to serve who felt like they couldn't take time out of the classroom. You know, who felt like no teaching Sunday school is the beginning, middle and end of my church life. You know, I, I sort of need this to be a part of the way I experience church. Because there is so much value in 
in rejoining the family, coming out of the classroom and, and being ministered to on those Sunday mornings for, yeah. you know, at least a couple months at a time before you go back to teaching, right? You have to be poured into and built up and invested in just like everybody else. But there are people who come through that team who raise their hand and say, I'd like to volunteer, who need that to be such a, a central part of their Christian identity that it's almost like they don't know who they are as a believer if they're not a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Right. And that's that's some of the stuff that I I kind of want to help people grow out of. Like, you should want to do this. You shouldn't need to do this. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. I I think I'm pretty lucky with the people I have on my team. Oh, I'd say so. I've got strong. um, What would the word be? Come on, Nate. Help me out. What's the word? Mature. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I've got. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. That's for those three years. I mean, I asked Nate and you just rudely interjected, but it's cool. Um, So, yeah, I've got strong, mature people on the team and I'm I'm very blessed by that. Um, And I got talent um, on the team. And it's very unique to have such a core group of uh, volunteers because they are volunteers. Nobody on my team is paid, Um, which I mean, I would love to make that different, but that's not up to me. That's not in my power, but. I'm very lucky to have them because I've worked with teams that were not that way. I mean, I've worked with youth bands um, for a lot of my worship leading career. And they're, even though there were some really strong Christians, there's also just a lot of showboating and doing it just for impressing the ladies and vice versa. (laughs) Yeah. Which you, you do find a lot in the younger musicians. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got into music or wanted to play guitar. Ah, I wanted the to, truth, the truth I wanted comes to be, out. I wanted to be a rock star. I mean, one of the first times one of the first times I went over to Amanda's place, it was under the pretense of I'm going to teach her how to play a, a song on the guitar. And it worked. And I don't know how to feel now about asking you to teach my wife how to play guitar. <laughs> uh i'm married now so that's good i got everything i need you don't need to worry um but i definitely have to agree with you at least about the maturity that's on that worship team Mm. because you know i I think you're right i don't know that there's anybody on that team as much as they love doing it yeah who needs it to be part of their christian identity right you know and one of the most beautiful things i've seen come out of that worship team is their willingness not just their willingness but their enthusiasm Mm -hmm. towards training up other people Yes. In doing it. Like when we did, when we integrated some of our younger believers into the musical worship at a service earlier this year, you know, to watch the keyboardist uh, mm-hmm. invest so much of her time in training up that third grade girl who was going to play keys. Yeah. And and for that to to work and work so well and work so seamlessly, I know is the result of her passion and enthusiasm about that. You know, that, that little girl knocked those songs out of the park she did great yeah and without that mentorship without the time and the love that was invested in that i know that wouldn't have happened you know and i don't hesitate to use her name because i'm you know i don't want to make her famous or something it's just you know it's a confidentiality thing but right you know i think her husband is watching and you guys know who you are so (laughs) um you know we appreciate the enthusiasm there we appreciate the love you invested in that young girl yes and uh you know, we can't thank you enough for your week-to-week faithfulness. But uh, heck, man, even when we went on the men's retreat, I got to contribute to the musical worship a little bit. See, that's... What was the name of that thing I played? 
the Dejembe. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It is. Well, see, that's what I. That's one of the things that I hope that I'm impressing on on the team is like let's let's not be afraid to step up ourselves, like to be able to take on positions of leadership or take on active involvement in other people's music. But that being said, the the woman you're talking about, she has a background in in that, uh, in teaching and in music. Our drummer also has a background in teaching music. Uh, so like we've got unique, we've got such a unique team. And actually, the more we're talking about this tonight, the more I'm like, man, I am not utilizing them to their full capacity. I got to figure out ways to maybe well, push them a little more. You know what, man? That that It's so great that you say that because that kind of leads us into another part of this discussion. You know, how do we how do we tap into our volunteer resources, our volunteer teams as a resource? How do we make the most out of their talents and their gifts? You know, so I have an amazing volunteer staff of teachers, some of whom I know have the time and the eagerness to invest even more in our youth. And it's like, okay, well, how do I really unleash them mm-hmm. to do this, right? So our, our what I'd say is our primary high school teacher, you know, he took the ball and ran with the idea of doing a midweek youth group. And frankly, he is leading that group exponentially better than I ever did, right? Because when I thought about it, it was like, well, let's get them to the church and let's give them their own service and da 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 And, you know, a lot of that was in response to kind of what they told me they wanted. But man, uh-huh. his relationship with them is so great and so unique that probably the best thing I've ever done for this church as its youth pastor <laughs> is to tell him... Back. Hey, why don't you take over the midweek service? Yeah. You know, uh, why don't you sort of let us make the best use of you and your eagerness and your talents and your gifts? And, you know, Lord bless him for doing that, because I know he is a huge blessing to our church as young believers. Yeah. I mean, he, he has a, a calling. I mean, even if even if he didn't know that before, I think he knows it now. But if I understood correctly from a previous conversation, he did have a heart for youth before yeah, and for ministry and ministry so yeah. i mean you found someone who had what i'm talking about that had that that predisposition to want to serve and then you found a way for him to be involved in a ministry that he apparently loves so when you get that combination you can really see amazing fruit from it yeah i want to say for us to be able to to maybe lead more people into that or even lead people maybe who aren't quite as called but still maybe have a, a desire, we need to be putting more of our personal time into relationship with those people. And that's where I'm finding the biggest struggle is, is having the time to go sit down with our drummer and be like, okay, yes, let's figure out where you can maybe start teaching the youth to play drums. That's something he's expressed to me several times he wants to do. And I just haven't been able to put that together. I haven't been able to talk to you or to the youth leader about making that happen. I don't know if he's done anything on his own. I wouldn't put it past him for him trying. Um, But I haven't been able to support that. And that's because I haven't been able to make the time. Or even for me being involved with the youth as far as let's get some worship going there 
they, you know, there's probably some talent there that can be cultivated and they can have their own worship team going. But there needs to be a little bit of guidance um, first to get it started, but also to kind of oversee it as it goes to make sure that it's going in the right way. Again, I don't have the time for that. Uh, I wish that I did, but I have to balance a full-time job, this part-time job, and being a husband, being a homeowner, and being a father, like all these things, uh, it's difficult. Yeah, it's not as though just because we lead the volunteer teams, uh, it, you know, one of the biggest challenges for our volunteers is that they, they do have lives outside of the church. And yeah. So do we. You know, even I do. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm one of the pastors, and I have a lot of commitments and, and a pretty big life outside the, I guess now I can say the walls yeah our church as of this sunday yeah you can but for us for us in the leadership roles that we're in our biggest strength if we really wanted to do this right is to be flexible with our time so we know that they have well i mean they have full-time jobs so they may only be able to meet tuesday night at seven rather than like a normal you know 10 a.m meeting you know so you got to be able to be flexible, I think, as, as a pastor of a church. Your time has got to be so all over the place to accommodate the time of the people that you're trying to cultivate up into positions of ministry, and that is very difficult to do. Yeah, a lot of this is going to fall into a very specific leadership philosophy uh, that is commonly called servant leadership, but essentially it's a call to lead people, to handle volunteers, to lead teams, much in the same way that Jesus led the disciples, right, where he he did extend so much grace and mercy. Now, he was a firm teacher, mm-hmm. and he helped them grow up in their spiritual development and, and realize the truth. He then sent them out to go tell others the truth, right? So he handed over a lot of responsibility to them. Yeah. Um, but his leadership style, Jesus' leadership style, is so clearly self-sacrificial, yeah. you know. Um, but it's also very intimate and and he kept a a tight circle of 12 and invested so much time in each one of them you know you go to john 10 and he pretty clearly explains that i know my sheep and my sheep know me Mm -hmm. right and that's a pretty strong statement just about the relationship that they have that that he thoroughly knows the people who he has called to follow him who he calls and sends out yeah but that they also know him on a pretty deep level well can we say that can we say well, that? Well, we can about, aspire to it. I don't yeah. know if we can always say it. You know, I definitely know that there are some people who I've had on different teams on my staff, right, who who didn't necessarily know me on an intimate level, who I didn't necessarily know on an intimate level. Some of that at times has actually been just personality clash stuff you know they yeah they wanted to be part of the sunday school team and it was unfortunate that they had to go through me to get there you know <laughs> because that's another truth about doing volunteer ministry you know any kind of church ministry not everybody's going to like you you yeah. hope that they're at least going to love you right at least that they would throw <laughs> up their hands and say well i love him in christ right um, but they're not all necessarily going to like you it was another great Henry Nowen quote. He said, community is that place where the people you don't want to live with always live. <laughs> That's great. How do you handle that? What do you think? How do you handle that? How do you handle leading people who just don't really want to be around you? Can you lead people who don't want to be around you? Uh, well, yes, you can. If you have a goal, a mission, 
a, a ministry that you agree on that needs to be done and you just focus on that uh, you may not like if me and a let's say a, a random guitarist joined our worship team and maybe we clash we didn't get along we told different kinds of jokes or we just kept over kept talking over each other and it just got awkward and just never recovered from that like you know it just has to be okay well what do you want to do this is what I want to do you do have to respect the fact that I'm the one in charge now I'm always gonna listen to you but I may not do what you want and as long as you can respect that I'll listen to you and and know that I'm gonna make this decision because this is where God put me then I think we can make this work even if we don't necessarily feel like we're going to go get lunch afterwards and, and have a great time, you know? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to necessarily be best friends with everybody who's on your team. Yeah. See, stuff like this is handled so much easier in a non-volunteer arena, right? Like, in, in the business world, the answers to these sort of questions are so much easier because it's like, well, hey, buddy, you get paid to be here, right? okay? And the company appointed me to be above you, so if you want to keep this job, and right. even in business leadership, you never want it to come to this. But you can always go back to that, <laughs> the, just the flat truth of it and say, if you want to keep this job and you want to keep the salary and the benefits and everything else, you're going to have to do your job and you're going to have to work with me. Yep. Right now, it's a volunteer team that we're leading. So we don't have that place to retreat to. We don't have money, but there's still currency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, elaborate. So I mean, is it essentially saying like, "Hey, I know you really want to do worship, and if a you little don't bit. do it here, you're probably not going to do it anywhere else." Well, is our currency the opportunity to serve and the experience? Some of it is experience. Some of it is the opportunity. Some of it is you could even say treasures in heaven. Yeah, you know yeah, for sure. And it's not ideal. It's not as lucrative, maybe, as money to a lot of people. It's probably a pretty obvious sign of spiritual immaturity if somebody truly cannot work in a volunteer ministry context. That's a very good point. I mean, it could really be that the leadership, like myself, maybe we really are being jerks in a situation, and it warrants getting out of that. Like, maybe there's some volunteers out there that are in a position that is unhealthy, even though they want to serve, even though they love being on that ministry, maybe they're having to go through more than they should be. And if that's the case, then maybe it is better that they step down or find another church, as, as sad as that is. Yeah, I can't remember. We're not infallible. No, and I can't remember who wrote it, but someone wrote a pretty classic line about this sort of thing uh, where they described church and, and church ministry teams as like little kingdoms and that ministry leaders will very often become these sort of miniature despots right where mm -hmm. they position themselves as unquestionable infallible you know if you're going to serve on this team you're going to look like this and serve in this way and and you better not go against me certainly in public you know or you're off the team right away um Thankfully, I don't feel I've seen that at our church, but someone did write that line, <laughs> which was yeah. probably in response to having seen it or experienced it somewhere. Right. Um, and, and it's all too easy for stuff like that to happen, right? Because the church needs someone to lead that team. 
and they're going to find someone who they think has the calling and the talent to do it. And largely the reins and responsibility for that ministry are going to be handed over. And a lot of times there's not a ton of oversight or supervision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that person sort of sets the rules and, and has their requirements for relationship and participation. And now they really are sort of their own little despot where there's not a ton of oversight, right? There's not a ton of management there. They're yeah. really relying on them to be mature Christians and praying and hoping that they are. Well, if any of my, and I know a couple are, if any of my volunteer ministry team members are listening to this please hold me accountable to anything like i want to be held accountable to making sure that i'm doing what god would want with our team so if you see something that i'm doing please call me out on it and uh if i act if i respond inappropriately please notify the leadership of the church don't don't let it be where i just walk over you if if you really believe that i'm doing something that i shouldn't be uh, and hopefully Chuck can say the same and feel the same. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's a special relationship, I think, that a church congregation has with its... I'm going to say it's pastor, I guess, just because that's the ministry context that I exist in. But really, this should be true of anybody in church ministry leadership, that we are trusted by the spiritual community to serve well in our responsibilities, but also to hold the members of our team and really our Christian family accountable. Mm-hmm. But there's an invitation there for them to hold us accountable as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to try to cite chapter and verse in the epistles, but I know Paul writes about this at least once, that the Christian community should be a place that is so built on a foundation of communal love and trust and an understanding that we are growing in Christ, that that people are at different levels of spiritual maturity, that you should actually be able to confess your sin to other believers, um, that, that sometimes people should even be able to be brought in front of the church and have their sins named, right? But that those people should also then be restored into community by those who are faithful. I believe that's Ephesians 6, that those who are spiritual should restore sinners back into the spiritual community the members of the family should restore people to their place in the family, even Mm -hmm. after they've done wrong. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we cultivate that in our church. Yeah. Now we've talked about, we've talked a lot about what it's like in our seat, our position as volunteer ministry leaders. But if we could answer the question for anybody out there who might be listening, halfway thinking about volunteering at their church, or really any other organization, right? We talk about church so much because that's our context and because that's one of the things we hope to accomplish through this podcast is to encourage and reach other people who are involved with you know, church culture and church life, possibly even church leadership. But if you're thinking about signing on with the Red Cross or giving blood, you know, mm. if you're halfway thinking about it, yeah, go do it, right? Because volunteering is a fundamentally good thing it is an objectively good thing but why should someone volunteer other than that other than doing good for goodness sake why should someone volunteer you know i would say first and foremost because you do have talents you did not cultivate them on your own even if you did practice them right some talents truly are just god given Mm -hmm. if you're big and strong and you have two strong hands well those can move a lot of weight for someone maybe who can't move so much weight you know, if, if you do have massive wealth, 
well, a lot of that can be given away to be a blessing to so many others. I'd say that's the main reason to volunteer. You know, if you feel, especially uh, if you feel like your time needs to be redeemed in some way, if you feel like, man, I really waste a lot of time or, or I don't know that I'm doing anything productive with my time. Well, volunteering is going to be a huge answer to that question. You know, go read to kids at the library. I mean, there's so many ways to be a blessing just to the people in your community. You can be a blessing to your neighbors. You can uplift your community in some small way. You can find a way to define a little bit more of who you are and who God created you to be when you volunteer your time and your talent. I think, yeah, that's definitely true. I also think you discover more and more opportunities to encounter God when you volunteer. Yes. Right? That when you raise your hand and you say, I am going to give of myself to be a blessing to someone else or to another community or to some group, God meets you there. Well, you're tapping into a characteristic of God that is mirrored in yourself. Yeah. There is a unique experience of our sentness when we go and volunteer, you know? You're not going to experience what God has designed and called you to do if you don't volunteer in at least some context, right? If, if everything is repaying you in some way, if that's the way you've sort of conditioned yourself to, to think that you're doing the right thing is that it repays you in some way or that you get compensated for it, you might never truly experience what you were designed to do because you were designed to serve. You were designed to serve God. One of the primary ways we serve God is by extending hospitality to the stranger. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talked about, and this is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, when he talked about separating the sheep from the goats, right? There was one group that he would look upon them and say, oh, yeah, they did this for me, and they did, you know, they gave me water when I was thirsty, they gave me food when I was hungry, they visited me when I was in prison. The other group, he says, they never did those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And the people who heard him said, well, when did we do that? He said, when you did it for the least in this world, you did it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems at least in that verse, one of the One of the criteria for how God identifies his people and those who are not his people is the way that they extend hospitality. Yeah. Hospitality, and this is all in the context of volunteering and service, right? Because when we serve someone, we are giving, we are doing hospitality in some way. Hospitality is one of those foundational things that I think we were designed for, that we are called to do, to give of ourselves in some way. It's one of the things that Jesus seemed to love and appreciate the most, and he certainly did it. I have one more topic question for you. What? Do you think that everyone who considers themselves to be a Christian and actively attends church should be involved in some sort of ministry? I think they should definitely want to be. One of the saddest things about church culture And I'm not saying that this is by design or on purpose. I get the feeling that some of it might be on accident, right? Because you only need so many people to make the church go, you know? And you only need so many people to make certain ministries go and happen. But one of the saddest things I see when I look at contemporary church culture is just the amount of consumerism that's there. And I don't want to get into any territory where I'm saying things that are unfair, right? Because obviously I haven't visited every church in the United States. But at least the popular conception of something like the American megachurch is an arena full of people who are there to receive a product. Mm -hmm. 
To the point, by the way, that there are actually ticket scalpers who will resell you tickets to events at these big mega churches. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was just reading earlier today that Kanye's appearance at Joel Osteen's church, Lakewood Church, I think in Houston, mm-hmm. ticket scalpers were reselling tickets to that for the upwards of $700 for a seat in a church. Wow. We should do that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but no one's going to pay $700 no, to we come definitely... to preach, at least not until this podcast takes off. <laughs> so we really got to get right? to that seventh yeah. episode. That's our goal. Yeah. That's all we want. Yeah, I wasn't here to have fun with my friends. I'm just trying no, to No, I wasn't here famous, to, to you know? move anything that God would want moved. I'm just here to make money. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I definitely think that one of the signs of, of our Christian maturity, of our desire to live in a Christ-like way, because what is Christian maturity if it's not Christ-likeness, right? Right. Or at least growing towards it is a desire to serve. And what's going to be the most immediate context where you can serve, especially where you can be a blessing uh, to people in your own community or, or to your best friends. Well, it's going to be at your church, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think that smaller, more localized churches, this is going to sound so biased, right? Because that's the only one I belong to, but smaller, more localized churches will probably afford you more opportunities to do things like that. Yeah. If I was not at Rock Ridge church, I can almost guarantee that I never would have been allowed to preach within the first year of becoming a believer. But at Rockridge Church, that happened. Yeah. At Rockridge Church, the family was, I guess, small and intimate enough that there was enough trust there that that could happen, that they would respond to my enthusiasm to access some of my own gifts, which... I pray and hope that I actually have it. I'm not just imagining it to access some of my own gifts in the preaching and teaching area Mm -hmm. that they saw that and responded to it and actually allowed me to do it. Um, Because I can almost guarantee it was not just Mike's call. I mean, ultimately it was right. He more or less decides how service is going to go. But I can almost guarantee that he talked to at least a couple other people about it before he said, Hey, I'm I'm sure I'm going to give this punk a, a shot at, preaching at our church you know and but he did (laughs) and they said yeah sure let him let's see what happens you know now someone had a stroke at the end of that first service so (laughs) i didn't start with the most uh, i shouldn't laugh about that (laughs) i didn't start with the most success i guess Um, that wasn't on you though i hope not that wasn't on you. i pray not but i'll tell you this much man it felt real awkward because mike was on vacation he's in hawaii or no 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 not hawaii catalina Pretty close, I guess. He was on an, <laughs> it island. Was an island. Yeah, sure. he was on an island somewhere. Uh, they're very similar. Left of California. Uh-huh. Okay, and he I mean, was doing a wedding. Never mind. Pretty sure he was doing a wedding for one of his daughters, maybe. But mm-hmm. uh, I had to call him, and I'm standing in front of this fire truck, oh. and the sirens are blazing. <laughs> I didn't get through. I had to leave a message, so I had to tell him. Well, uh, the service went really well. But someone had a stroke, and um, I don't know. I guess you'll hear about it when you get back. <laughs> I guess you'll hear about it. So sorry about that. I'll see oh, you in a few days. I'll start looking for a new church. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I do think that 
in the Christian heart, there should absolutely be a desire to serve. Are there always going to be opportunities? Not necessarily at your church, but if you really can't find somewhere to serve in your church, which if you look hard enough, I can almost guarantee you'll find at least some place. I think it was Bill Hybels, uh, who's pretty widely recognized as like a big authority on transformational church leadership and all that, um, attractional church and everything else. Mm-hmm. But I think it was Bill Hybels who, if you wanted to serve at their church, maybe this is Saddleback, uh, you had to start by helping direct traffic in the parking lot. And that was all you could do for like the first six months. And I think that was to weed out people who were trying to elevate their own status through service. Yeah. You had to do... It took my application idea to a whole new level. <laughs> you had to do the most menial job for like six months. And then they would sort of assess you, you and know, figure out where you wanted you to You want to know what one of my previous churches head pastor used to do? Sure. He used to clean all the bathrooms. Nice. Like, that's what he did every week. Like, that was part of what he did for the church. Yeah. And this is a church, this was a church of maybe 500 at the time. So, you know, those are some significantly used bathrooms. And it was such a ministry to me when I found that out, that he was putting himself in a position of servanthood like that. Because to me, that's that's nasty. I don't want to do that. But after seeing him do that, I'm like, okay, if it really came to that, I could probably do that to help if needed, yeah. but I wouldn't like it. But it's not about what I like. Yeah. That's such a beautiful story. It, it I is. barely want to clean the bathroom in my own house. Right? I know. Me neither. In fact, I've gotten to the point where I think I've told my wife, like, look, that is the one chore. <laughs> That's where you draw the That line. is exclusively going to be yours <laughs> is cleaning out Aww. the bathroom. I'm sorry to hear that, Corey. No, that's Amanda not, knows your pain. I will that say hasn't that. always played out. I have done it. Yeah. But I definitely find myself not wanting to do it. Having said that, you know, like Thursday, I'm probably going to be dragging my Kirby vacuum to the church and uh-huh. vacuuming out all the chairs and everything. Well, now that you've said it, you're probably going to be the one cleaning the bathrooms at your house. Oh, you yeah. shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have. Well, as long as I don't end up as the one cleaning out the bathrooms at the church. Sure. I guess that's fine. Although, you know what? Uh, someday our budget might call for that. Who knows? You know, I wonder how many senior pastors would still be senior pastors if they had to do it on a volunteer basis. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I heard a video last Thursday in my life group. We watched a video by uh, Francis Chan, and one of the things he talked about was if all the Christians around you were taken away or taken out of your life. Would you still be able to follow Christ? Would you still be able to um, find that joy in your private life with God? I think we have so many churchgoers who'd go because all my friends go or my family goes. And I just feel like if they were taken away, do they have it in them? Do they have God's seed in them to be able to continue forward? Or to go and find another church, or to go and find a place to serve, uh, to do volunteer work for God and for his kingdom. Um, I think that's an important question to ask yourself if you're listening, and if you're wondering whether or not maybe you should be in a volunteer position somewhere. Are you reliant on the people around you, or are you strong enough in your faith to start taking some action? Don't wait for Chuck and I to come up to you or whoever is in a, minist- a role of ministry leadership. Don't wait for them to see how remarkably amazing you are at your talent 
to come up to you, go to them. Tell them that you would like to serve. Tell them what you may be interested in. And hopefully they're the kind of leaders in church that would love to have you in some fashion be a part of the team um, to do something. And I've said this before, I think it's crucially important to capitalize on somebody when they come to you and say they want to do something, they want to serve. It is such a, a failure on my part, on, on your part, Chuck, if we didn't receive them into a into a position, so long as it's for the right reasons. Yeah. I go back to pretty sure it's second Corinthians nine seven. That the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Right? And that's mm-hmm. one of the verses we go back to when we're trying to encourage people to give more financially a lot. But to me it speaks volumes about the kind of service that God desires from his people. Um, that the church should be looking for from its people, that, that what, we, what we need, what we want from our family is this joyful giving. That if you are approached and asked to be a part of a, a volunteer ministry, to contribute something to your church expecting nothing in return, you don't do it in a begrudging sort of way, you know, that you don't, you don't go, Ugh, well, I guess if I must, or I guess if the church really needs me to, right, mm-hmm. that you would respond in a joyful way um, because you have been asked to be a blessing to your family. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, if you truly cannot find an opportunity to serve at your church, find a way to be a blessing in your community. You know, I, I said earlier, read to kids at the library. That's one of a million different opportunities you would have to serve. You know, my wife volunteers right now. Um, at a pregnancy resource center Mm -hmm. because she wants to be a blessing to expecting mothers, you know, and and I know that they need more help doing other stuff besides the stuff that she is trying to do, right? She's trying to do the ultrasound scans, but somewhere there too, there has to be someone cleaning the bathrooms, right? Mm -hmm. Or arranging all the donated supplies and things like that. So to sort of bring it home, if you've stuck with us through this whole time, I hope the message you've received is if you are volunteering, a huge encouragement, almost a, an attaboy from, from Rex and I, or at a woman, as the situation demands. A big pat on the back for being a special blessing to the community around you, to your spiritual family, to your neighbors, in whatever context you volunteer. I hope you've received a huge word of encouragement from our time together, because that's one of the things that we were trying to bring out in this discussion. But if you're not serving, whether at your church and in the other context, I hope you've heard sort of a, a, a nudging word here, uh, an encouragement to go find someone who is in need of you, because that is a very Christ-like thing to do. Access your gifts, not for the sake of improving your station, not to live your best life now, but to help someone else live theirs. To go and be a blessing, expecting nothing in return. That is the essence of true hospitality. Go and find the stranger in your community and give them water to drink and food to eat and visit them in prison. I hope you've been encouraged towards that today. It is a part of our spiritual maturity as individual believers but also as the body of Christ. If a church cannot be seen as a blessing in its community, I don't want to say why is it even there, 
because I also have a high amount of respect for the spiritual formation and the love that exists just within that Christian family. But if a church cannot be recognized as a blessing to its community, then there's definitely something it's missing. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something it's not doing that it's been called to do. Mm-hmm. On that note, time to have a little fun. All right. Rex, I trust you've come fully prepared to try to stump the master. Yeah, I put a lot of time and thought into this question when I Googled it on my phone. I have, for today's Let's Stump Chuck, we have another American history question because, again, I, I want to give you a chance. I don't, I don't want to just completely steamroll every chance and opportunity well, I, I you have to get one right. Yeah. So... I'm going to ask you another one, and I, and I think this one's going to be a little easier. I think you might be able to deduce this one a little bit, because I'll, I'll give you a hint. So this is your hint. All right. It is not what most Americans think it is. So that's your hint. Here's your question. What was the first capital of the United States? New York. Nice. Yeah, so the original capital was New York. They had to bring it down to Virginia because the southern states, you know, when they were figuring out the Constitution, the southern states felt like they could not be accurately represented with the capital being all the way in New York. Now, remember, they used to have to travel to do votes and things by, like, horseback. So the southern states said, well, you can't expect us to travel all the way to New York when we have to do votes on important things. You need to bring that capital down a little bit further south. So they decided... Uh, to do it right there near the border of Virginia and Maryland, where mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. sits today, right there on the Potomac River. Well, let me ask you, do you know why the first capital was New York? Biggest city at the time? Maybe. But it, it, it may be the reason for this, but it was where George Washington made the first inaugural address. All right, that makes sense. But it could be because it was also the biggest city at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I know that was the that was the article of Confederation's capital, but the Constitution capital was DC. Well, good job. You are one. Well, you are one for two. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. Anyways, uh, so Nate, can I get you to plug all of our apps or yes, whatever? Yes, sir. So you can find us online at rarcpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RARC Podcast. And what else? What's Find that? us in your favorite uh, podcast platform. Search for Run Amuck with Rex and Chuck. Yes. And send us your questions, comments, feedback, and hate mail to info. No, contact at RARCpodcast.com. Info will work also. Oh, okay. Um, and please do. Like, feel free to participate. Send us a mail. A mail, yes, mail me something. Uh, email us something uh, if you have any questions, concerns, comments. Like you said, hate mail, whatever. If you are listening to us on a podcast app, please subscribe. That way, you'll get our updates. We are trying to get these out um, every Monday. It's very good. So. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for your time and attention. This has been our sixth discussion on Run Amok with Rex and Chuck. This time on Volunteer Ministries. Stay tuned. Uh, we will come back with more riveting. Uh, passionate debate next week. So we hope you will join us again then. Thank you very much.
All right. <coughs> Intro time. Yes, indeed. Let's bring In it in. Zone. Auto zone. zone. I hate you so much. You know, I used to make commercials for them. For AutoZone? Yeah. I used, I've had to say that tagline. Oh, that's yeah, 30 awesome. 30 or 40 times. Yeah, I'm oh. sure. Get in the zone, yeah. Auto Zone. Yeah, ninety six seven KCAL rocks. Oh man, that was a little louder than necessary. But yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah. See, I had to make a commercial for a place called Lotions and Lace one time. Oh, I know that I place. Think I've seen a billboard. <laughs> that was really you know that place? Yeah. Were, you, were you a frequent? No, no, I oh, okay. know what it is. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, no. Wait, what's the right answer? Yeah, mm-hmm. there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the billboard. I, know I remember there was this big. Yeah. thing in Temecula about getting that billboard taken yeah. down, I think. Yeah. It's an adult store. Yeah. yeah. I had to do a commercial for them when I was in radio. It was the most awkward thing. I think they... How s- old were you? Well, I was so like 24. Okay. They sent it back to me like three times. Oh. Like you didn't do this sexy enough? Exactly. Nah. Yeah. They said, well, we want it like breathier. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, okay. that's good. That's good. Well, yeah. that's good. are you sure you're the right voice for this?